All right, welcome to Now This Is Podcasting. I'm Connor, and I'm here as always with Calvin. Namaste. <laughs> and we have Katya with us. Hi. <laughs> and we're talking about Memoria today. This was directed by Pichapong Wurasekku, and that is the first and only time I'm going to say his full name. Uh, he uh, apparently says to just call him Joe. Uh, but he wrote and directed this film. It came out in uh, 2021, and it stars uh, Tilda Swinton. And this is like a really kind of an interesting movie. I didn't realize this until Calvin and I went and saw it. He told me uh, this won't be released on DVD, and it won't go to streaming. It just will kind of bounce from theater to theater, and that's the only way you can see it. So we ended up seeing it at the Sea in downtown Denver, uh, which, again, just love going to that theater. Uh, but, yeah, it was kind of a neat experience. And then the fact that it's, it's going to be there, and then it's gone. Yeah, which, I mean, that's the history of film. We're just in a very weird time of, of film history where we can just collect things and uh, watch them whenever we want or, you know, we're just so inundated with so many different types of, of movies that we can just watch whatever is on streaming and not really care unless it's like your favorite, you know, you buy maybe your favorite or you get it on Amazon Prime, that sort of thing. So to think about like, oh, this is what it was like back in the day. Right. Mm-hmm. But also back in the day, like some movies like popular movies would run for a couple of years do you know top gun mm-hmm. top gun ran for a year in theaters oh my God. sorry yeah. we just talked about top gun maverick and i was when i was doing my research for that it was in theaters for a year that's yeah. wild to me that's i was so excited to talk about top gun again <laughs> <laughs> all right uh give us a, what's your snappy first impression of this film i would say tilda swinton Drops the greatest beat for all time. That's <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I thought of um, uh, biggest budget ASMR ever. Oh, that's yeah. great. Yeah, that, I mean, I mean, Kate can speak to that experience. Yeah, mine's great nap. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. It was I mean, delightful. That's why we have kind of the babbling brook and the rain sounds in the background. The sound was a big focus of this, and there's so much, especially sounds of nature in this. Uh, so, yeah, the, the, the sound is really important. And, yes, and then we have the big thud. That uh, yeah. it doesn't, I guess, gets explained, but we'll dive more into that uh, later. But uh, let's get into first impressions. Katya, what did you think of this film? <laughs> well, I, I'm i okay if movies don't last forever after watching this. <laughs> 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 like, not in a mean way. I just, yeah, I struggled to want to go see it a second time with you guys at the sea. And... I did fall asleep for the most important part of the movie where apparently a lot of things were explained. <laughs> for like five minutes. <laughs> yeah, like there's nothing the whole time. And I was just, yeah, listening to the stream. And I'd been struggling the whole time to stay awake. And then I kept closing my eyes and I kept opening them and it was the same thing yeah. on the screen. So I was like, well, it's not really going to matter if I close my eyes for a longer time. <laughs> and it's unfair. Uh, you were at a, a big disadvantage because you told us you listened to like rain sounds and stuff when you yeah. go to sleep like that's like your white noise to go to bed so yeah, this was like you were set up for disaster i was as soon as he as soon as he laid down and almost died or did die i'd never got clarification on that <laughs> like by the stream i was done for so i mean i thought it was really beautiful and i really tried i was trying really hard for the first like up until that part to to try to be paying attention and see you know what i could feel and what i was thinking but for me, it was just super chill the whole time, and that's pretty much all I got. I didn't really pull a lot out of it. I feel like this is one where you could see, oh, Tilda Swinton, I like Tilda Swinton, and go without really like learning a lot about the director and then be totally flipped around right. in mm-hmm. what your experience actually was. 
So I think that was the biggest thing for me is because that's all I knew was, oh, Tilda Swinton and Calvin saying it's a slow movie and me being like, okay, yeah. <laughs> not I, really understanding it was a slow I, I movie. suggest, I was like, <laughs> I was like, I'm going to get some tea. Do you, do you want some tea? <laughs> and you were like, oh, I'll be fine. I was like, I want some, yeah. some, some of my tea. <laughs> yeah. Based on what you had said about it, I actually went and grabbed a cup of coffee before going in just in case, you know, uh, but I actually found it like pretty engaging uh, in a really weird, loose narrative kind of way. Everything about the movie felt so purposeful, like from the like shot selections to where you had your characters blocked in and uh, the sound, of course, and then uh, all the dialogue. Uh, it felt like poetry was kind of a theme throughout the, uh, the movie. And it felt like all the dialogue was like really intentional. So I found myself like staying engaged and it took a minute to realize I'm just supposed to sit back and just observe. That's how this movie really felt to me. It was just an observation of someone in their life. Uh, so yeah, it, it captured a lot for me. Uh, I think this is going to be a tough watch if you're expecting it to be like story-driven, though. Yeah, and I would say yeah, Memoria tests the definition of narrative as well as the patience uh, for an audience hoping for one. That's good. Um, <laughs> yeah, I love test the definition of narrative. That's a great. That's a great way to put it. Yeah, but it it rewards those willing to reflect on the intersection of human experience, time, and physics. Uh, we'll get into the, this movie is very Buddhist influenced, um, and you can really, if you just come in with the the notion of samsara um, or anything, um, you know, uh, cyclical nature of life and how and interconnectivity of everything. You can see where the director is going with all of these things. This really is a movie ab that is a meditation about meditation, which would feel pretentious if it weren't literally about that thing and trying to make you meditate yeah exactly like force you to do it yeah there's like three levels of interconnectedness so i think that's it's the point it's the subject it's the audience experience uh so i think that's the best way to look at this film other people might have different opinions <laughs> so i was listening to another podcast and they said this was like sort of one of his action films <laughs> wow oh i wanted like, to see like in comparison to his other ones like this was a faster paced that's fascinating film. because yeah i don't uh, know if that's accurate but yeah I'm like, wow um uncle boon me who can remember his past lives has been on my list for a little while now i didn't realize that this was the same director when i saw posters from memoria and um uh uncle boon me won the Cannes film festival in 2016 um the palm d'or um so yeah, he's a very well-known and well-respected director. So it it it, oh, it makes me excited to think <laughs> that there are slower movies. Yeah, right. There could be slower Of course you would be happy this. about that. Right. <laughs> I guess my struggle with it being called slow is, to me, I would ascribe that to a movie that's not pushing its narrative along or it's not developing its characters. Like, So that's a slow movie to me. This movie wasn't trying to do any of those things. So it's not slow. It did exactly what it was supposed to do. It did exactly what the director was trying to do. So I, I don't know. I guess maybe in the more like, uh, I think the way people would describe a slow movie normally, it, it, this movie didn't really fit that to me. Because I, I, it's certainly not exciting, but was I was certainly like, engaged the whole time. So. Yeah. I also thought Hereditary was slow. 
Like I thought, oh, like a man. lot of different kinds of things are slow. Oh, if you slow. went back and watched Hereditary now, after yeah, I'd be like, oh watch, my god, you're like man, this so thing good. is sprinting to the end, and people are on fire. Yeah, yeah, and maybe if I wouldn't have fallen asleep, where potentially all of the development happens, like I didn't see any development in any of the characters. I just kept seeing oh, different yeah, scenes. That's, it's not about the characters. Oh well, I didn't feel any other sort of development either. Yeah, that's that's fine. Yeah, if you're, I think that's the thing is like the, like how we experience movies um, is very very different uh, in what Hollywood gives. It is one type of taste. Right. Mm-hmm. There are slightly different variations in the way that uh, a yellow skittle tastes different from a red skittle. <laughs> um, there it's almost imperceptible right uh when you compare it to what the medium can be and i think that's that's the thing here is you're not being told something it's how you engage with this you're not you're not necessarily looking for something to put all of these pieces together um memoria is um is it's it's an exercise in looking at things from a different perspective by communing with the the mundane and allowing it to impart its its wisdom on you and we'll get more into the uh the ideas of like how 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 important sound is in this movie because like not only is it nice and it's and it's pretty and stuff it's important in a symbolic way to the idea of samsara and the main thesis of the film but i want to set all of that aside right now Mm. and just focus on this is supposed to reflect the nature of human experience and human existence. It's supposed to make you to force you to sit down and be like, I'm going to sit here and just think and just look at things that where nothing is happening and nothing is important. That's, that's the point. Like sometimes a leaf is just a leaf. Yeah. Um, oh, you haven't used that in a long time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's I haven't great. needed to, cause yeah. we're talking about like roosters and gooses and like, <laughs> <laughs> And everything means something. But I think that's the thing. It's like when we when we pay to see something that someone has created, we're expecting there to um, some real wisdom or some main idea to be imparted on us. Mm-hmm. Um, and that there is like a really intricate way that everything goes together. Characters change. There's a story to this. But that's not how real life is. And that's the whole point of some part of cinema mm-hmm. is it's just a reflection of one part of life open-ended on both sides of beginning and end of film and this is a really expansive way of looking at it that is also very intimate so i think a good way to jumpstart that conversation is uh, katya you found a really good hot take on reddit (laughs) (laughs) i have some follow-up questions on that but i'll give you my hot take first excellent (laughs) here it is um bye (laughs) oh do you want oh yeah you can give the username too yeah yeah you username is because it's kind of funny it's (laughs) keanu raves (laughs) AU. <laughs> so I'm I don't know if that's Keanu Raves Ow or Keanu Raves Golden. <laughs> Gold. Isn't oh, Australia? Yeah, it's probably A-U? Keanu Reeves. Is that- it? Oh yeah, maybe oh, Australia. It's either yeah. Australian or this is gold. We gotta oh, message yeah. this guy. It's the Australian yeah. Keanu Raves, <laughs> yeah. not the American one. It's Raves, not Reeves. I know that's why I guess what I <laughs> Absolute trash wank of a film. <laughs> Starts off strong. <laughs> continues to say deliberately slow and obfuscated to give an illusion of depth while offering nothing to substantiate that illusion i felt like my time was being stolen from me when watching it which in retrospect is is kind of like real life (laughs) it's exactly what's like happening every single day (laughs) yeah he's looking for profundity and it's not there like that's the whole point is like if you go into the park and you stare at a tree are you gonna find 
meaning there. And I think a lot of people, especially like, I mean, especially people that grow up Christian, everything has to mean something because we have to explain why good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people. It's because there's purpose, there's meaning in all actions and all things. Sometimes things are just happening and they mean nothing. That is a really hard concept for some people. And especially when you're going somewhere uh, to be entertained. Well, yeah, I think that's my big question. And maybe it's just because, like you were saying, like Hollywood and maybe how we are, we've been um, taught to what, like what movies we've been taught to see and like what we've been exposed to, you know, like what we're told to like, what we're told to like, it's just very sensational. And we're used to like these story narratives and this kind of escapism from, from life. And I guess in, in a way this is escapist, but I think my always biggest question is like, I personally, I did this when I was, I just go look at stuff. Sometimes I just stare at things. So I don't, I don't know why I would need to go watch a movie telling me to stare at something when I could go outside and stare at something and get the same experience. So I think like I'm, yeah, I'm interested in what the point is in having it in cinema if it's just trying to have this isolated kind of moment for you to really take a break, like you're kind of captive there, you can't leave. Like, that would make sense. Or if they're trying to just, like, expand people's minds. But it kind of feels like if you're not ready for it, you're not going to like it anyway. I think it's because people want to see and hear nature in the comfort of AC. Yeah. That's what I think. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I always think about, yeah, I always think about how, oh, I love being outside. And then I get outside and, like, I hate sunscreen. I know. I was like, Calvin, let's go, out, let's go outside. It's going to be so nice. You're just like, nature is uncomfortable by definition. <laughs> I'm like, no, it's not. Yeah, look at look at my my stomach. You think it's seen sun since I was 20? <laughs> you do burn pretty good. Yeah, I mean, that's why it has not seen sun since I was 20. I mean, you remember what I burned uh, in my it, stomach? Like McConaughey, I remember. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Oh, that was great. That's my mom crazy. was crazy. <laughs> um, um, I did want to bring up what he said. It has the the illusion of depth. Mm-hmm. Um, I I disagree with that because. I think if you went in this movie thinking you were going to have a deep narrative or you're going to have deep development of characters or the characters themselves were going to be deep, then yeah, this movie isn't deep. But I think the point was just to sit back and, and just take in the movie. And I feel so pretentious when I was writing my notes. That's how I felt about everything. It's like, <laughs> just experience the movie, man. I mean, to be fair, that's what Kiefer said of Top Gun. I know. <laughs> but I that's, mean, yeah. yeah, it took me like, it took me like maybe like 15, 20 minutes to, to realize like, oh, this isn't like, this isn't about her achieving some goal or, or moving from point A to B to C to, to attain something. It's literally just her moving from point A to B to C for the sake of it. That's it. Yeah. That's all it is. I think it's even better to think of it as moving from point A, B to uh, BW. You know, yeah. that yeah. we have no context for. We have the idea of a human lifespan and that is all that we're giving. We're or all that we're given. We, we don't really understand where she is on her path of life and what any of it means. And that's the whole point is we're not trying to expand on on her overcoming something, on her meeting someone new, on finding a new zest for life. Like this yeah. is just life. And like to your point, like why why make a movie like this? And like I'll be honest with you, like I have a completely different view on life and how I take things because of how my taste in film has changed. Like I went from like, Oh, I'm going to go to school 
because Avatar is such an amazing movie. What a great expression of of uh, hu- of the human condition and like real people. And now I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Did that's, you really think that? that's terrible. <laughs> This is why film is important. Calvin, you might be smart. You might be intelligent, but I was smarter than you at like age oh, for eight, sure. eight. But that's the thing is I think like smart people even like I'll still like say that I was smart. Um, <laughs> but smart. I think I think that smart people can turn off like we were actually talking with a friend um, uh, earlier today about her mom being uh, a Christian and a scientist. Like, well, how do you really balance those two things? Like if being if it, like all of the science data points away from being a young earth creationist. Like how do you really teach that subject? And the thing is here as well, I think that people can turn their brains off if they're not taught a different way right. of looking at things. And that was such a big problem for me. Like um, I thought that the, the peak of storytelling was a James Cameron movie. Yeah. Um, oh, <laughs> and so that's why I think these are important in that. You know, I think, I think my first, um, the first wake up call I got was Sans Soleil, which is a found footage documentary um, from 1987, 1986, I want to say. Um, that's really just bits and pieces of cultures and uh, people all around the world at different times. Uh, and there's no narrative to it. There's not, it's not your basic understanding of documentary. Um, it is literally just people living lives in different ways and that is the whole point of the movie so how then i take that into my own life is like now i don't care if i'm like i used to be like oh i have to fill up all of my time doing something you know i need to play as much of the this video game as i can before i need to leave and then sometimes i'm late now i get to the point like okay i can stop here i can uh get ready for things and then if i'm like 30 minutes early for something i can just kind of sit and chill and there is there is um, a peace and control over that in a world where I think that we really struggle to carve time out for ourselves. So mm-hmm. I'm incredibly busy doing things all the time, but how I go from point A to point B has radically shifted because of how I look at time spent that would seem to be doing nothing. Right. Um, so that's why I would say this, this movie is important, like, because some people need to be trained to do that. They need to be mm-hmm. shown that there are other ways of actually existing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I, I absolutely get that. I, I think meditation, like purposeful meditation, it absolutely doesn't work for me. I took a class and the teacher wanted like the first like 10 minutes. He, we went through like breathing exercises and got into like a meditative state and I was like clenching my fists I was so tense. I was not meditating at all. Like, I don't like being in that kind of setting. And to try and, like, force myself to, like, calm down or be at peace just doesn't work for me. But watching this movie, yeah, it's you're so right. It's just like, let me just turn things off for a minute. And this movie is kind of just about nothing. It's kind of just about this person. And, yeah, like you said, I love what you said about moving from point A to B to, like, uh, you know, what did you say? B to W, yeah. Yeah, from, like, A... Yeah, uh, like A C A G whatever. Oh, okay, to BW. Yeah. yeah, and so I like that. I like the idea a lot with like no context for anything, and it was it was fine with me because I was just I was just there for it, and uh, yeah, just the watching her experience life was like it's weirdly calming in a way, you yeah. know, a way that like I don't do that because I don't like to just sit and like purposefully and mindfully like kind of calm down and shut down for a minute. Like that just doesn't work for me, and so the idea of 
being able to experience that in a way with this movie, I was like fascinated by that. Yeah, it's almost like a more captivating guided meditation. Because I think it, it fools you into thinking that it's a narrative and you're it's slowly bringing your heart rate down into this really meditative place. And that's where the actual, the thing that you'll get out of the movie the most is right there. And some people that, that puts them to sleep. I mean, that's actually <laughs> something that Joe has said is a point of pride for him. Like, yeah. It's like if calm, yeah. if, if people who like to meditate watch this movie, they'll probably fall asleep. Right. <laughs> <laughs> people who don't like to meditate will calm down. People who hate everything will be upset <laughs> it's just like <laughs> yeah i think that's the thing it's like yeah where where are my jets where are my transformers yeah yeah there's there's only one spaceship in this movie or was there only one i only saw one i mean there were a lot but we only this saw one ones, okay. yeah but i i, so I just was only one i disagree with uh with keanu raves is i don't think that this movie wasn't trying to trick you into thinking it's deep it just for whatever reason you just didn't like catch what it was trying to do. And that's yeah. like not a knock. I mean, if, if you don't want to be in that meditative place, which like, like I pointed out, I don't like being in that place either. And the fact I, this movie tricked me into being calm. So it didn't trick me into thinking at depth that it, it tricked me into like chilling out. I think the things too, like we also go into a lot of foreign films or foreign language films, just assuming because it made it, it's coming out here. It's going to have some deep, you know, like relevant meaning. I think we're just like, at least me, I've always been just kind of accustomed to thinking, oh, even the simplest foreign film is going to be way more deep and interesting than a good American film. No, you're I absolutely so, right. Like, I think you it... automatically think that and it has these, you know, these long scenes that you're like, well, they have to be important, right? Right. That's how I felt about <laughs> Hatching when we saw it. I was yeah. like, this must be great, right? I mean, yeah. how, how, why else would a Finnish film be playing in the, in the States? Yeah. And then right. it was just kind of, it was kind of yeah. schlocky horror. Yeah, and, and I'll like, be oh. I'll be honest. That was like, I'll take the fall for that one because that was my idea. I was like, <laughs> this has to I mean it's Finnish. I love well, yeah, everything. It looks great. Yeah, I love everything Scandinavian. This has to be really, really good. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I had to apologize to the party after. <laughs> well, you got like it was movies. Still fun to watch. Yeah, it was still a good movie. Yeah, but yeah. it was like you got movies like Parasite on your mind, which are you know yeah it, it is like. I don't care what language you speak. It's an outstanding film. And yeah. so, yeah, you go into that, you have that impression of like, okay, if it's a, you know, an international film, it, it must be good. It must be profound in some way. And I think this is profound in a way. It's just not, uh, not in a typical, not, like, in, uh, the movie. not in a story driven way. Yeah. It's in you, like the viewer yeah, yeah, for yeah. the most part. It's not like, and it's a little bit in Tilda Swin. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I, I want to talk about Tilda Swin a little bit. I tried to get through this interview with, uh, with the director and Tilda Swin and it was incredibly boring, more boring than the movie, for sure. <laughs> I, I mean, they spent probably the first 10, 15 minutes just talking about it wasn't being filmed in Thailand, which is where all of his previous films had mm-hmm. been, been made, and how it was they were trying to break out of their comfort zone and go somewhere else, and they spent so much time on it, I actually had to turn it off, because they weren't talking about the movie at all. <laughs> but before I did, Tilda Swinton, she said that uh, she would describe uh, Jessica as a conundrum rather than a character, and she said that she was dislocated but connected. Mm. And I have no idea what that means. <laughs> and yeah. uh, I was hoping that, uh, uh, Calvin, you got your fancy film school brain. <laughs> Can you decipher what it, what she's saying? It, it sounded so pretentious when I was listening to that interview. So, I was like, I'm done. <laughs> I have like two thoughts on that before you go, Calvin. Oh, I want to hear your thoughts. Oh, yeah, please. My, my film language will not suffice here. <laughs> well, all I... Okay, so she said she's displaced and... Uh, connected Dis- dislocated but Dislo- connected I don't know if that makes a difference but I think the main thing on that is just like she's like this 
well, she's just an odd-looking person, first off. There's a haunting gauntness to her figure. she's always been this, like, great, you know, like, white witch, like, kind of... Doesn't she play the white witch? Sea creature. Yeah, that's that's what she's saying. Yeah, yeah, that and, like, in Lady in the Water and all these things where she's just kind of this ethereal, like, kind of weird, unsettling person. So I think having her kind of in this very, like, native landscape, like, that part, that's the dislocated part. Like, she's not... She's this person that doesn't doesn't belong there necessarily, like ancestrally. Right. So she's dislocated, but she seems so content and settled to like absorb all of these memories and be a part of everything. Okay, I can so, understand that. Yeah, that's like I think the biggest thing I would pick up on that. I think just in the in the context of the conversation, the way yeah, they were talking, I was like, I don't weird. know what you mean. Yeah. I also I always, read some uh, things where they're like, they were so in sync, her and the director. So like they uh, knew what each other meant. Apparently <laughs> yeah. they this is a just, a project they've been trying to work on for like 17 years. Oh, wow. I guess they had known each other for a long time and they had, they had tried to collaborate on some things and it never came through and they finally broke through and uh, were able to make Memoria. But, Mm. but what do you think of that? I would say that, so there's one article that I saw the title of it. I think it's so apt to the process of making this film. And again, to the, the, the main niche meaning of this film is Memoria is a film concerned with what gets lost in translation. And that was a big problem for Joe uh, when he was making it is because he just couldn't communicate everything that he wanted to to the production team. So he's like, I just literally had to let go of my control and just let people act and uh, put equipment in places that I didn't necessarily want or agree with, but let them be who they're going to be, trust them and their process. I think that's such a, a fascinating thing because wh- I, one of the most uncomfortable, frustrating moments in the entire movie, I think really sums up what that means is when she is trying to describe the sound to uh, Ernan. Oh yeah. That's one of my favorite scenes. Trying to replicate a sound mm. yeah. in post-production is a nightmare and when she is talking about it like being more round and uh um you know it's like how do you approach a thing without knowing the word for it right and when they're and memoria is so much about things that don't have words for them so how do you how do you talk around something around an idea this feeling that's there without actually being able to say it because that word doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. That's why I, I said a lot of the dialogue felt like poetry to me. And, mm-hmm. and one of the ways she describes the sound is she says it, it sounds like a huge ball falling into a container surrounded by seawater. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, what an amazing line. And it's, it evokes an image in my head and it evokes a sound in my head. Mm-hmm. And it's, it is like, how do you, yeah, I love how you said that. How do you talk around something that is uh it's subjective to you, first of all. And then how do you try to produce that in a way that's like a, can be understood by everyone? I, I loved, I, again, I just love the dialogue in it. And I love that scene a lot. Like, yeah. how do you, how do you pinpoint something that is like so personal to you? Yeah. Although, and two, it's like also another way, like I have, I always feel like I have an idea all sorted out in my mind only to find that the words fall out in splendidly awful fashion. Uh, yeah. <laughs> which really begs the question, do I, do I not really know want this uh, this idea or i just am i unable to form the right string of words to convey that idea i think it's both and like sometimes too you're the real 
you know, you can be sitting there and you have this idea, but you've built this little like reality, you built this little world, but you're not in the world right now when mm-hmm. you're making this idea. And so then you actually put it into place and you're speaking it. And yeah, this weird, yeah, weird translation happens when something goes from your head to like out in the world. Yeah. It doesn't always make sense. And that's one of my favorite quotes. Um, uh, I, I, I still need to look it up. I feel <laughs> it's been too long. I've mentioned it too many times for us, for me to not know who it's by, but it's <laughs> an idea is born in my mind, dies on paper and is reborn on film. Yeah. And just that process of translating <laughs> ideas from mediums. Yeah. And what they do. Although I thought like the, specifically that scene when she was describing the sound. Yeah. I thought she did a great job. And I thought part of the reason she was able to describe it so well was because she was speaking like she was trying to speak in a language she wasn't as comfortable with. I thought like having to pick these words that she knew and the way she like used them. I thought that actually probably kind of helped her like disconnect from her what she was thinking to just try to think like what's the most descriptive like true thing I could use in your language yeah so I don't know sometimes I feel like when you're about either using different languages either makes you like less coherent or just like it ends up making you beautifully coherent in a way you didn't expect so I think that's where some of the poetry comes from too is just those like yeah, trying to say words and you're not speaking in a normal, like, totally, man. Like, I'm yeah, just yeah. going to tell you, like, what I'm doing, like, today. You know? Like, <laughs> I would different. love if that's how that scene went. <laughs> yeah, Tilda Swinton just turns around, do you hear that gnarly beep? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, what if she was a, like, Californian bro? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so before we move on further and try to dive deeper into, like, what is the movie about? There's one scene I wanted to talk about, and it stuck out to me because it's so different than the rest of the movie, and I figured it must mean something, or it'll repeat later and it'll have some profound effect on me. But it's when um, uh, Hernan and Jessica are going to look at the refrigerators for her orchids, and the scene is done with a handheld cam, and it's following them around as they're going through this, and it was so jarring to have a scene that had been... All the other scenes are, like I said, they're so purposeful, and it, it felt like everything everything was blocked out and everything everyone was going to say the right thing at the right time and you're going to have the, the pause and you're going to have the sound. And that scene just was so out of nowhere. And then it never repeats again. So I don't understand why it was in the movie. And it doesn't even feel like it was in there because they're like in a kind of a bustling part of town, I guess. Because there are other scenes that take place with her in cities. And there's traffic noise and other things around. But the camera is still like set and it's still like kind of eerily peaceful even though it's at night and she's being chased by a dog at one point like everything's set and it's purposeful mm-hmm. and that one scene just like leapt out to me is so different than the rest of the movie i didn't know if you guys like caught it or had a thought on it i, I just don't know why it exists in the movie i'll be honest yeah no i didn't notice it that way it wasn't jarring and from a formalistic point um that it took me out of it i was trying to figure out if the orchids meant anything mm-hmm. um and then why she disappears for a moment yeah but otherwise, like, yeah, I can see what you mean. Like, there aren't there aren't a lot of places where the camera moves at all, whether that's panning, tilting, or tracking. Um, so when you put it like that, that is a, a very interesting shot. Well, and then it just annoyed me because there's no, like, payoff for... Uh, it, it never occurs again. So I spent a bunch of the movie waiting for it to happen again and be like, oh, this must be... Uh, but I kept thinking this was going to be, a, like, a motif. 
thought that was going to be something that was going to reoccur and it was going to mean something. But no, it was just one shot. And I was like, why? Now I'm, now I'm more confused. Yeah. yeah. So I was just like, why is she, why is this guy helping her pick out a refrigerator? I, so yeah, I did not notice, notice the filming. Yeah. I, I think it's so confused about why he was there. Yeah. I think it's just to hide the fact that Jessica dips away for a moment. Yeah. Okay. No, I, I could see that. But I, otherwise, other than that, what that means, I don't know. Because yeah, I mean, I, the thing is, is, I'm still just, I'm still, I love to break down and super analyze films. I've not really done it with this one because this, that's not really the the point of this. And I think that's, yeah. the, Joe has actually said that in, in interviews as well. It's like, if you really want to, if you really want to dive deep into all of, all of these things, all of these ideas swirling around, you're going to be kind of disappointed because they're not there purposefully. They're not trying to tie everything together. So do the orchids mean anything? Uh, who's the person in, in um, uh, is it, is it Bogota? I can't remember. They, they, there's someone else with refrigerators in another city. Right, right. That they're going to travel to. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's a memory of someone else. I think we'll, we'll get into really why I think that and why I, I, I agree with Jessica being dislocated and connected and all of that all, all at the same time. But that's, that's all I really have to say about that scene. I say, I think if you really try to break down too much of like what's going on there, you're going to be, you're going to be disappointed because you're looking for, you're looking for some depth. Yeah. You're looking for yeah. depth that isn't there. So you're like, yeah, like why, why are the, uh, the doors on my apartment made of yeah. uh, plywood and not solid Oak? Like there must be a reason. Why not metal? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> why isn't it metal? Why isn't it made of, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Recycled plastic. Why do I have doors? Yeah. I think if you get like, that's the thing is like, if you get caught up on those whys a lot of times when it comes to sometimes movies and real life are the same thing. Like thinking about them longer doesn't mean you get clarity out of it. Yeah. No, I agree. And I'm, I'm glad you said that because th that's what I think too. I don't think there's any point to the shot being that way. I don't think it was supposed to lend to some narrative later on. And that was after getting out of the movie and like reflecting on it over like the last week. Mm -hmm. was realizing that the movie really isn't about anything. And if you pull any meaning out of it, if you parse anything out, it's purely for yourself. It's not intentional in any way. So, yeah, so I don't, I think getting hung up on the shot in the movie was fine because I was like, oh, that's weird. Mm -hmm. But then afterwards, after I thought about it more, I was like, oh, it means nothing. So, yeah, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm glad we agree on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then, yeah, let's just talk about like, let's try and break down who Jessica is, what any of this means, if it means anything, and, you know, spaceships. Yes, yes. So, yeah, why why is she a conundrum? Because that's how Tilda Swinton described her. I don't, I guess I don't quite get that, because I do think that she's a character. I mean, she's a person at the very least. She's a person that seems um, to communicate with people, but not very well yes. all the time. So I didn't, I didn't quite grab that description of it. Because I, again, like watching this movie, it felt like I was observing a life. It felt like I was observing someone moving through an experience and I was, I was along for the ride of it. And so I don't, I never thought of her as a conundrum. I mean, she's not a character in terms of like development and depth, but she, I mean, she's a character that exists in this film. So I, I, I do you have any thoughts on that? Like how, why would, why would she be described as a conundrum rather than a character? Because I don't think she is a real person. I think that a, a really cool way of thinking about this is when we talk about consciousness and we talk about the the entirety of the mind, there is this idea that we're a passenger to ourselves. 
And I think that's what Jessica is, is she is something inside of uh, someone's mind parsing through all of their memories. Or she is a concept where she explores all of these interrelated people and their memories. I think you could look at it because we see Anand, uh, both young and old, that we're looking at his entire life. He's um, Maybe he was the one at dinner with... Uh, um, uh, the professor and his wife and their child and not Jessica. Just think of every place that Jessica is and think of it um, either uh, as her sister or as her non. Yeah, no, I, I like that idea. So that's what I mean. So like when they're buying refrigerators, it's her or it's the anthropologist or it's her uh, non or it's um, what is the, the guy's name? The older guy. Juan no, like Spina? the one she's signing papers with. I think it's Juan. Yeah, I don't know. That. I didn't miss that part. Juan. Juan Espino. Oh, you mean on the, t- on the, in the, at the very beginning. In the cafe, in the lunch? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Juan. Juan. Yeah. yeah, so, so I think we're exploring the minds of all of these characters, of Juan, of her sister, of Hernan, um, and of the anthropologist, and connecting all of these, these varied themes, because they're all within, like, the same physical space. So that's where uh, the sounds kind of intersect. That's where the idea of the dog intersects, the backfiring of the bus, um, the uh, the sounds in the tunnels. Like all of those things are happening at all different places, and they're they're all being exposed to them. That's why it's in all of their minds. So that's why I don't think that Jessica is necessarily her own character, and that's why when so this is the part you missed. Um, <laughs> When uh, Hernan wakes up uh, from his nap death at uh, the stream, they go into his house and she says, she starts saying, like, I've been here before. Um, I was a child. They were looking for us. We were hiding underneath the bed. And Hernan says, those were, those are my memories. I was, I was here. That was, that was me. And so she touches him. And you remember also that part um, where he talks about, uh, uh, a man walking by and they and he gets assaulted and has his lunch stolen or like or he gets robbed and then they say oh take his food too it looks delicious mm-hmm. well so she picks up a rock in his house and it has an echo of that phrase mm-hmm. of men actually shouting that mm-hmm. um so she is reading the idea like so that's why sound then is is something that connects all these things because it's imprinting on the physical landscape Um, it's something that we see everything as like just human consciousness. We're on this one plane of consciousness and we think that we're the pinnacle. The thing is, is like, we could just be, we might just be unable to experience consciousness on other levels. We're not actually all that smart for that reason. Like, like say rocks actually do experience things and they have memories. Well, the vibrations. This is when you get into vibrations. Yeah, exactly. Can you really feel the vibrations and emotions? Yeah. And can you get enough out of that to feel a memory? Yeah, exactly. We well, get into like seen, the woo-woo stuff, but like, yeah. If but you've seen legit. everything everywhere all at once, then we know that rocks absolutely have a consciousness. Yeah, absolutely. rocks have consciousnesses. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And if you ever touched a rock, you know that it's alive. Right, yeah. But so that's kind of the thing. Like, like, like the sounds are imprinting on the actual landscape. And so when she touches him... She starts reading all of his memories and there's just all of these sounds playing of like things in Spanish. And from what I've read from other interviews, there are Jessica's memories too, but even after having seen it at the sea two times, 
that I don't know what it is about the mix on their speakers, but I cannot pick anything out in particular. It's just we have a sense of her experience and experiencing his life through his memories through touch. Right. Um, so that's that's why I don't think like then she even states like I don't have any memories of um, before I was born. So I think again, that's another this this idea of her being a, a repository for consciousness, and um, a representation of of consciousness apart from the individual self. And that's where that samsara thing goes through. She is um, she is uh, like a physical representation of everything that gets woven through everything. And I know this movie doesn't have like deep yeah. meaning, and I'm starting to sound like really really <laughs> profound. But I think that's one way that you could look at it um, if you really wanted to explain her character. Or if you look at the definition of conundrum (laughs) as being basically a, there's three things she could be, a problem, a question, or a riddle. Yeah. If you look at it that way, so like is she she the question? Is she the problem? I think, yeah. Or is it just a, is this just a, a riddle? I think it's just a riddle. I think it's just, she is... Really, like when we say it's a guided meditation, like it's a she's our guide through other people's consciousness and she's literally taking on their problems and their I mean, she even has problems with with time. She, like Ernan is not there anymore when she goes to look for him. Um, and the same thing with uh, her sister being suddenly well. Right, um, right. And which is, I think, an earlier time in their life. Yeah, no, I certainly got the impression that we were it was not linear. Mm-hmm. And we were jumping around. But she felt it was, yeah. which is what makes it so right. interesting. And why, again, I don't think she's a character because she does. She has no concept of time. She only has what she has experienced, and that's everything in her existence. Which I am is part of why I'm impressed by this movie is she is without context as much as the audience is. Yeah. Which is like a surprising thing to pull off, I think. And it's mm-hmm. not something that I think you would typically see in a movie ever. I, I, I think that you're... I mean, yeah, you're in the same boat that she is. I mean, if if she's a riddle, then it's like you're also trying to figure out this riddle with her. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, I guess okay, I can I can come around to the concept of her being a conundrum yeah. more. And that's just the way I like to look at it. I don't think that that's necessarily the right way. I don't think that's the intention because again, I think that like, um, like Tilda Swinton helps craft that character. So yeah. her saying that she's dislocated and connected, I think it's the same thing as, um. Uh, a Scottish expat living in Colombia, having poor Spanish and having what is uh, exploding head syndrome. The reason the big bangs are there is because that's something Joe actually struggled with. Right. He used to have uh, uh, exploding head syndrome where there would just be loud bangs. And he's like, it doesn't actually affect my, um, <laughs> my uh, health or anything. But at the same time, it's a very lonely experience. I am the only one hearing this and I cannot share this with anybody. So to put that into that character, I think is, I think it's a better way of thinking about that. Like I, I like thinking about the big philosophical and supernatural things around uh, Jessica. But I think that if you just thought of her as like someone with exploding head syndrome and how isolating a sound can be to an individual experience, that's, yeah. that's as, as much as, uh, as what, all of those words that I said, I can't wait to listen to and be like, wow, most of that needs to be cut. No. And I think I've said this a lot is it it sort of doesn't really matter what other people think of it. It's like what you take away from the movie and no one necessarily has a wrong take, not even, uh, 
Keanu Raves. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. not it's even like, Katya, even though she was asleep for it. <laughs> it's a great, <laughs> but it's like great time. That's why I was like, I thought the thuds were like to to wake you up or to give you like little like like wake up call. Like little like it's little like clap snaps. Put in to keep you awake. Yeah, I thought there was like some <laughs> other reason, but also just to wake you up and you know a little tribal, right? A little tribal wake up. Yeah, the earth, the earth being like, wake up, sleepy head. Exactly, because yeah, I like read about the exploding head syndrome, but I'm like, yeah, but, but why? Put it in there. It seemed like such a bigger thing. Right. Like, yeah. yeah, and I think it just is that idea of like, sound and. Mm-hmm. You know, is he hearing something from another time period, yeah. from some other force? From the that spaceship. Only he can, yeah, exactly. I think there's, I think there's a physical and a supernatural uh, problem that he's working through in his art. Yeah. So we brought up the aliens in the spaceship. Uh, I want to know what do they mean, and do they matter? Um, so, sorry. Go ahead. Did you actually see aliens? So you don't see aliens, you see oh, the ship. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, it's implied aliens. <laughs> it has to be aliens. Yeah. I mean, what else would Wasn't it be? Wasn't it really small? I thought it was I mean, humongous. You couldn't you can tell how big. We didn't have any sense for the scale. For how it. big it was, yeah. I thought it was like a, some sort of transmitter that was just zooming back to its home yeah. ship. But we also anyway. saw a lot of them. Heard a lot of them. Yeah, if you thought the thud, if the thud's spaceships. But yeah, okay. So what else, Connor? <laughs> yeah, so I guess like, do they matter? And I think for me... Having them show up it does the same thing for the story as if it hadn't been there at all. I think the the mystery of the sound, I guess it's it's resolved in some way, but it's not resolved for the character, and so it's still not resolved for the audience either. And and again, I think it's kind of a, it's it's weird and it's appropriate that both the audience and you know your character both don't get any resolution in this movie because I don't think it's what the movie's about. It's not about again, it's not about an end goal. It. it it, I think the movie kind of sets you up to think that oh this sound matters and we're gonna get we're, we're gonna get to the bottom of this and we kind of get to the bottom of it as the viewer but the character doesn't know yeah. a- at least to me it's it's never implied that she figured out what was going on I felt like that was like the one thing that was like okay you're almost trying you've almost sort of been along for this ride now here's a spaceship and now you I just want to drive home you really don't have any idea what's going on and there's nothing going on like i didn't think it was i didn't think the spaceship was real i didn't think this sound was actually from the spaceships okay like i was i don't know i thought it was just some weird another weird like time piece of the time line yeah i think it is like the old old days to the future future days i think it is i think it's um because he says it's uh that sound the bang is hernando's i think Mm. I think he might have been asleep for this part too. Uh, it was Probably. before. It was Everything before, useful I w- did not hear. Yeah, it was before both of our times, and so I think mm-hmm. that's the thing is like then that really drives home in a in a supernatural way that then cannot be explained by mental illness or some psychological uh, goofiness. To yeah, because there's a couple of articles I read. It's like, oh, it's all, it's, it's, it's a metaphor for mental illness or something like that. And I don't think that's what this movie is at all. No, I think that you'll be, I think some people will be looking for too much meaning out of those spaceships, but what they really do is drive home the fact that um, this isn't in her head. The sounds came from somewhere and we have officially established that sounds exist in things not of their time. Yeah, I love that idea. It, yeah, like the the echo in the rocks. It's like yeah. it's just the environment is echoing these ships that were there maybe millions of years ago or something like that. I yeah. like that idea a lot. Is that even possible? 
that's the whole point. Like when when you think of like samsara, like everything being everything and con- interconnected, and we're all just different forms of consciousness. Like that's really what that means. That's what it, what this what this whole thing is is driving towards is that. Um, if you paid attention to things that seem like they're insignificant, they might actually have more information to give you because they experience uh, time and space differently than you. So we move away from from anything else and we, we tie up this whole mystery of like how the past is, is chasing the future and influencing this one person. And I think that's just a, it's just a fun idea. Just that right there. I don't think we need to like, I guess you could say that, um, Joe thinks that the world was colonized by aliens. Um, that's, <laughs> that's yeah. you know, why not? Um, uh, very. I'm sure there will be a memoria to Covenant coming. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. What is that article I found? Oh, okay. Yeah, it'll be memoria to reckoning with the past that doesn't forget. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. an article from a Slant that I just thought the, the article title was action movie. <laughs> like, yeah. Action movie. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> It's beautiful. But yeah, exactly. Like, and I think that too, like that, that explains like why we kept, and we kept looking for sounds, that sound in the weirdest places because of the backfiring truck. Like, oh, maybe she just heard that. Oh, maybe it was construction. Oh, maybe it was an earthquake. Cause there's, mm-hmm. that's, that's happening on uh, that broadcast at the end of the film. And it coincides with those, with those bangs. Um, I think that is like, we can almost think like those sounds are so loud and they transcend even time to cause earthquakes. I think that's a cool idea too. And I think that that's kind of implied by looking at everybody's back, looking out at the sky um, as like where the spaceships were. Mm. But I think that's all it is. I think that like, if you look, if you look too, too deep uh, at what the spaceships mean, it's really just about um, connecting all of the ideas of, of sound here. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I don't think the aliens... It, or at least knowing like what was the purpose of them or anything. None of that matters. Yeah. Cause, and I, I actually forgot a couple, like well, this idea of um, sound being a motif is take the, the first shot where she's walking, she hears, hears the bang. She walks uh, through her apartment, the chair squeaks and then the car alarms go off. Those sounds are repeated throughout the movie. So then uh, after you have the car alarms, then she is in the hospital room with her sister and the chair creaks just like the chair creaked in when she was in her apartment. And then another time she's in the hospital, the car alarms go off again and we those bangs uh, are present in a lot of different sounds throughout the whole movie. So the whole thing, you can almost look at like that first shot as being like, here is a collection of sounds of someone's consciousness. And then she is placing context to those in their lives, which I think is also a fun, like just thinking that like there is a soundscape of, or there's like oh, a physical split, physical space of sounds and memories. And she is just picking through all of them, going through other people's uh, experiences. No, I think it's, yeah, more than any movie, this is that I think we've done. This is one where you can like plant your own meaning for it, mm-hmm. you know, and, and kind of figure out what does it mean to you? Because, like we said, this movie is like all about experience. It's just yep. how how are you soaking it in? And for me, it was like purely observer. Like mm-hmm. I, I I felt bad when I wrote this, but I described it as vague slice of life, which I feel like is kind of reductionist for what I think is like a really wonderful movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mm-hmm. that's like that's kind of how I would describe it, like in its most simple form. And I still think it's wonderful for that. And for me, that's all it needed to be. I, I wasn't 
like I said, after a while, I wasn't trying to look for anything anymore. I was just like, what are these characters saying? What are they doing? And that's all I care about right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like, yeah, I've really gone off the rails in explaining this movie that doesn't need to be explained. <laughs> um, but I think that like, if you're going to listen to this episode and like want to talk about some of the deeper theories and what it means to you, like there, it, it can, ha- it can have that type of profound meaning, but I, I think it'd I be a boring like, listen if it's like, it's just life, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I'd rather I'd rather sound like an idiot if it teases out different ideas in For sure. in your mind about these things. But oh, and another one like I forgot about like that. <laughs> oh wait, there's another. <laughs> the uh, the hydroscopic nature of wood. Uh, they were in that that one presentation about uh, the construction of guitars. Oh right, yeah, yeah. And I thought that was another great idea of like the resonance of a physical um, uh, instrument um, conveying human experience in uh, in music. No, I, li- it, I like yeah. the idea a lot. Huh? Yeah, no, that's great. It's just a throwaway sort of thing that you. Why is that there? Because it's not anybody that we've seen giving that uh, mm-hmm. lecture before. We don't know. We don't have any context for that, unless maybe it was one of Hernan's classes. I thought it was the teacher Hernan had because when she introduced that was that herself. was Juan. That was Juan himself. And oh, it, it was, was. You're right. And okay, yeah. yeah, you're right. Then yeah. Never mind. So that's why I think that uh, the, that whole family, Juan and uh, Jessica and her sister, and. Uh, the anthropologist and or not, they're all connected in some way and they're all connected because of Jessica, um, who isn't a real person. So there must be some other physical, um, connection to them. But yeah, I would ultimately just be like, this is, yeah, this is just life, man. Yeah. <laughs> so not feel life. free to discount everything I've said in the last 23 minutes. <laughs> all right. So we're getting ready to close this out and we usually, you know, we do our, our final thoughts and then we give a rating and when I was taking my notes for this, I had a really hard time figuring out how I would rate this because, again, it, it just feels like I'm observing someone's life and how would I put a number scale to that? It, it'd be like if someone was like, oh, okay, like uh, you've been hanging out with Calvin the last couple months. Go ahead and on a scale of one to 10, what's it, how, how's his life? 11. <laughs> <laughs> but it seems reductionist to, like, to, to equate someone's life to a number and so that's why i i don't have a rating for this if you guys do that's totally fine i don't mean to be pretentious like i've ascended beyond ratings but (laughs) i really yes (laughs) but i I had a hard time uh i had a hard time figuring out how i would rate it so i'm just going to give it a a solid recommendation and and people should go check it out and like i said just uh yeah a a nice guided meditation even if you're not into meditating and if you just want to sit back and uh, you know let a movie happen this is a, a, a good one to go and check out yeah, I'll back that up. <laughs> Solid recommendation. Yeah, I'll back a recommendation. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe next year when it comes back around, we go see it and you'll be like, wow. I think I need to see oh. it like between two and four, which is my traditional nap time. So that's, if I want yeah. to see it then, I think I'd leave feeling rejuvenated and like expansive. But then I was just like, I could be in bed. Yeah, doing the same thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that might have been the that might have been the difficulty for me, but yeah, it's still great. Yeah, I almost invited uh, my sister to go see it with us, Connor, and I was like thinking about that conversation, like because then you know they're like, I can't. The only movies are like, okay, what movie are we seeing, Calvin? Oh yeah, and it's like, <laughs> like we just went and saw the Bob's Burger movie, and like, <laughs> just broaching that topic, yeah. like was like, oh, we're gonna go see, uh, and they're like instantly, like I get to see, and there's their face kind of drop, and they're suspicious. Yes, <laughs> like what are you tricking us into? And like Bob's Burgers, like okay, well, independent of you, that sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> 
so I was thinking of like how I would approach this and like, well, do you like to schedule and pay for naps? <laughs> this is the movie for you. Um, but yeah, I really think that this is my favorite thought when I come away from this movie is it's things like do rocks experience life the same way that we do, but they have no way of expressing awareness in the same way that we can't explain the nature of a sound or the experience of a, of like seeing yellow. That's a common, um, philosophical problem or, um, question posed what is the experience of seeing yellow right i I think in a way this film is about experience and how humans share it with each other um but experience lives and breathes through everything the same way but nothing can communicate with its with with each other which i think is like it's it's sad in a way because it feels like there are there are insights to be gained about the universe that we we'll never have because of the limits of our cognitive ability. Right. So I think that's one hope for like the people that practice, um, any type of religion is that these things are independent of human consciousness and human awareness. And that's why movies are like this are cool. Like maybe we can tap into something that would translate everything to us. There's almost a bit of a hopefulness to be gained by sitting and watching things. Right, right. Uh, for that reason, so I and I and I think the same same sort of thing. Like, how do you rate someone's life? And like, the thing is, is like when I look for movies, I'm like, okay, what what flaws does it have? Um, I can't really find flaws here because the thing is, is like, how can you flaw sitting next to uh, a stream? Certainly, yeah. Like that's that's basically the premise of the movie is like what can be gained from communing with your fellow humans and experiencing nature together. So it's like for me, this is like I wouldn't say this is like a really really strong recommend because this is not like the place you should start uh, with your film experience because you're just not gonna understand it because it's not. I mean, like, look, look, we've, we have watched so many movies this last year and I've explained like the, how I got to this place. And even then, like, that's only like a part of like the education that I got, like just your awareness of how to take in a movie like this is not the same thing as like, okay, I can appreciate this part of it. And it is similar to these types of things. And I know what this director is saying. And that's the moment where I can shut my mind off and just let it, uh, like let the film absorb me. Right. Um, there are much easier movies to start with than this one. Certainly. Um, I mean, under the skin is obviously one that we've don't listen to that episode. It's terrible, but <laughs> I love it. Uh, it was fun for us. And I think that's a good place to start. It's a better place to start because it's an interesting story. It's clearly a story. It's very slow and very, uh, empty in terms of dialogue, but you get to see Scarlett Johansson naked. So if you need something to watch a movie like That's, that, Jaden was all about that. Yeah, that was literally the only reason like we watched it. And he was like, "What the hell is this shit?" Yeah. Otherwise, but I was glad when we walked out of the theater and you had said like, "Yeah, it reminds me of parts of Under the Skin," and I was like, "Thank you." That is exactly what I was thinking going through this. It's like the second half of Under the Skin where she's kind of trying to figure out what it's like to be a human, and she's discovering the world around her, and you hear you hear like the rocks and the gravel like you know, uh, rustling underneath her feet and you hear the sounds of the wind when she's at the beach and mm-hmm. it's very like immersive and you're a part of like this soundscape along with the character and it has a much more uh, solid narrative than Memoria does. And that's why I think it's a good point is if you wanted to start moving into something like Memoria, 
Under the Skin would be a great movie to watch first to so you can kind of understand what the pace is going to be like. Yeah. And I'm sure there are better recommendations out there. You know, I mean, maybe even something like The Green Knight. I think The Green Knight is actually a, a good place to start because that's a very heavy narrative. It's very open-ended. It's very interesting, though, and fantasy-driven, but it's very very uh vague in what it's trying to say right. and what a lot of those things mean like the giants like if you watch the trailer if you go and like watch the trailer like oh this looks awesome there's giants ignore that part because we have no idea what that no, means yeah. but no i i definitely i wrote a note and i would not have appreciated this film if we had not started doing this podcast uh, i would have looked at this and been bored and i would have not been receptive to anything it was trying to do and so like i've definitely just grown over like we've been doing this almost a year uh, just like watching a bunch of different things. And like you said, like Green Knight and Under the Skin and like analyzing those helps me like connect with this movie more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And as alienating as this is, um, you get to a point where I don't need to understand everything. Right. And that's a very unusual way of looking at movies from what we're, what we're told. And it, in a world where we're just filled with so much information. Right, right. And so many things. This is a movie I think that you should just, you know, watch every day and turn on when you go to sleep, you know, if that were possible. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess not. We can't get it streaming or Blu-ray. It's not possible. I have to, yeah, I'll just have to go with a video camera next time. Bring so a I, battery pack for my iPhone. <gasps> so I guess on your spreadsheet, this just averages out to recommend. Yeah. I don't, yeah. Just straight R's. Straight R's. <laughs> <laughs> All right. With that, uh, we're going to close this one out. Uh, thanks for being on as always, Calvin. Oh, and, thank you. I mean, Namasta. <laughs> Namasta. And uh, thanks for being back with us, Katya. Thanks, bro. <laughs> Great. <laughs> and you can find our podcasts on any platform like iTunes or Spotify. We also upload all these to YouTube. So go ahead and leave a comment. Tell us what we're doing well. Tell us what we're doing wrong. And thank you for listening to Now This Is Podcasting. <laughs>